1: Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Dr. Supriya McKenna, who joins me for part two of her interview with me. So what type of people are attracted to these relationships? From the outside, people listening in who've never been in that relationship would think, oh my goodness, you know, why would anyone get into that? And I understand the love bombing can suck you in, but is there a type of person that is more attracted to these relationships?
2: Yes, very definitely. Um, so not only are there types of people who are more attractive, I mean, anybody can be fooled by a narcissist, but it's kind of who tends to stay. That's kind of, a, you know, um, there's a type or types that tend to stay. So um, if you've been brought up by a narcissist, um, for you, narcissism is it's normal. Actually, it's the norm. You're used to it. And really strangely, you know, that I mean, I'm sure you're, you understand that whole thing about attraction and that the subconscious things, the subconscious drivers that lead us to be attracted to people. So you're actually subconsciously um, attracted to the narcissist because it's your normal. So even though they're abusive and even, but they're not, I mean, when they meet you, they're not abusive. They're they're, they're the best thing you, since sliced bread and they really are amazing, you know? So you don't know that you're meeting a narcissist, but you are on a very, on a subconscious level, you're very strongly attracted to them because it's the pull of the familiar. It's the subconscious pull of the familiar. And that is really common. I, I I probably, I would say maybe 60% of everybody that, uh, that comes to me, um, has has been in that p- situation, maybe even 70% that they've had a narcissistic parent. Um, so that's one thing. Um, another thing is, um, you know, if you happen to be a very empathic person, um, they can... Um, narcissists and, and if you don't sort of stand up for yourself um, enough so if you don't if you don't have boundaries a narcissist will find somebody who's got a lot of empathy and low boundaries and they will they will exploit them so basically you know if you're the sort of person who goes no i don't want to do that and then the narcissist keeps pushing and you go do you know what okay all right all right all right you know and you just let them trample over your boundaries which are really porous um a narcissist will test you and they'll they'll you know they'll be attracted to that kind of um, side of you um and of course the empathy as well and being a rescuer so if you if you've got empathy um, and, and an narcissist behaves badly you know you might call them out on it but then they will inevitably play the victim I should have put that in my, I haven't, I haven't done a full list, of course, but again, playing the victim, big red flag for narcissism. Um, so they'll play the victim and then you'll feel guilty because you've got empathy. And you'll think, oh, poor, poor so-and-so, you know, I shouldn't have said that, you know, and it's because he or she's having a terrible time at work and, or ex or That You'll make excuses and you'll, you'll think, if only I love them more, I need to give them more, not less. And, you know, again you're asking for trouble, because the narcissist will take more and more and more. Uh, If you're a rescuer as well, you know, if you want to sort of rescue the narcissist from themselves, which lots of people do, unfortunately, you know, I give them more love, I can cure this, I can make them better, you know, um, you can't. Um, And so, you know, that type of person also um, gets into relationships with narcissists and codependence. And that's another. So, codependence, um, just to sort of briefly, codependence are people who aren't very good at um, expressing their own needs or even knowing what their own needs are. So, they'll put someone else's needs above their own and they'll kind of need that person to be okay in order for them to be okay. and very often, codependents are um, in relationships with alcoholics, or you know, uh, uh, drug abusers, um, or people even with chronic illnesses. So it's everything becomes about that other person. Um, and so again, if you've had a relationship with perhaps an alcoholic, you might well then be sucked into a relationship with a narcissist, because again, there, there's a similarity. Surprisingly, um, narcissists are addicted to feeling special, and, and narcissistic supply um and obviously alcoholics are addicted to alcohol so that there is actually something there's a there's a similarity um there um so yes that, those are the other types of people that tend to be tend gosh to be.
1: well that is really interesting so i'm sure my listeners are thinking gosh yeah that's me or that could be me or maybe i'm a bit of both i mean you know obviously this is you know really good advice you're giving here and you mentioned earlier that there were four types of narcissists so can you explain a little bit about that
2: Yeah, yeah. So underneath, as I said, underneath, all narcissists have that sort of, you know, um, underlying sense of low self-esteem. But it's the false personas that there are sort of four different types of. And I want to say that, you know, narcissists can flip between them. So, you know, it's not just that you're one of the four, you know, it, most people will recognize if they've been in a relationship with a narcissist, maybe two, three, even all four, um, you know, they can switch between them depending on, on what works best for them at that time in their lives or with that particular person. So the first type is the type that we generally think about when we think about a narcissist. Um, and that's the, the so-called exhibitionist narcissist also known as the grandiose narcissist or the overt narcissist. And so if you think about Donald Trump, for example, um, you know, he kind of swans in, doesn't he? And he says, you know, I know better than anybody about X, Y, or Z. You know, very haughty, arrogant, superior, knows better than anybody. Literally says, I know better than anybody. I mean, literally says that, you know. Um, That is that grandiose type. Also, they are incredibly charismatic. Um, you know, they can be very charming. They're very plausible. And they just they just have this kind of magnetic allure to some people, to most people, in fact. Um, and they can make you feel like you're the only person in that room, you know? Um, they are incredibly, I mean, they're devastatingly charismatic when they want to be. Um, so that's the grandiose type. And that's the type we, we tend to think of when we think of narcissists. Um, but actually they're the easiest type to spot. Um, That's mostly in men, by the way. So it's 70% men um, uh, that um, fall into that category. The next category is the devaluing narcissist. Um, Now, um, that can also, people call them the toxic narcissists as well, or the malignant narcissists. Um, but again, let's go back to Donald Trump because he's a brilliant example of narcissism. Um, so he goes into devaluing mode when when he feels threatened. That's when he goes into devaluing mode. So he calls people names, for example. So if you think back to the U.S. election, he was calling his opponent Joe Biden, you know, Sleepy Joe. He actually calls people's name, He calls people names um, and puts people down. And the reason they do that is because they sort of when they put someone else down. It means that they feel that their own ego is kind of artificially inflated, sort of next. Do you, you see what it means? They put people down to feel better about themselves, essentially. All narcissists devalue, actually. They all criticize and put people down. But this type, this devaluing narcissist, it's kind of, it's mostly what they do, if you see what I mean, when they're in that mode. So that's one to look out for. Um, and the, the, the most difficult type to spot is um, what's known as the covert narcissist, or the closet narcissist also known as the vulnerable narcissist or the victim narcissist so there's lots of terms out there but they, they all mean the same thing all narcissistic abuse is covert to start with so you know i think it's a little bit when you call them a covert narcissist people sort of can get a bit mixed up with that because it's all covert because no narcissist goes i am a narcissist you know they have that tattooed on their forehead i'm a narcissist this is devaluation, watch out for the cycle of idealized, devalue and discard, they don't do that, you know. So all narcissistic abuse is covert, but these guys are, I mean, they are so hard to spot because they don't actually want to appear special. So they're addicted to feeling special, but they don't want to appear special. They kind of, they have an aversion to actually being in the limelight. So they have to get their sense of specialness in really kind of covert ways. So what they do actually usually is they try to associate with somebody who they perceive as being special. So um, you know, so so that they can kind of bask in the reflected specialness of the other person. So that's quite 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 an interesting one to look out for. Um, so I always think of the sort of self-effacing, you know, doctor's wife, you know. Um, she's kind of managed to attach herself. I say she, you know, it obviously can go both ways, you know, it's 50-50 gender-wise, they, they think for um for covert narcissists or closet narcissists. Um, but um, but yes, they attach to someone else to feel special. But another big feature of this type. And I'm sure a lot of people were going, oh, hang on a minute. You know, when I say this is the victim playing. I mean, these guys play the victim with just great aplomb. It's incredible. Um, It um, it can be perhaps that they're ill all the time or, you know, they've got symptoms of this or symptoms of that. They really ham up their illnesses or they're just sort of, I do so much for everyone. No one appreciates me. There's a lot of that going on, you know. Um, and of course, it's all to get this attention um, in, in covert ways, because they don't want to go, look at me, I'm amazing, because <laughs> they don't, they're, they're, this type don't do that. So they have to get it in other ways. So it has to, you know, so, so illness is a, is a great one to go for. Um, so they're often, you know, they seem quite, quite quiet. Um, they can be quite shy. As I said before, they can be self-effacing um, on the surface, but actually they are pretty toxic behind closed doors.
3: Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as The Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup. Take back your control and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com
2: today and start to feel happy again. Um, so they're often, you know, they seem quite, quite quiet. Um, they can be quite shy. As I said before, they can be self-effacing um, on the surface, but actually they are, Pretty toxic behind closed doors. Um, and they do all the nasty things that all the other narcissists do. But they look different. Their false persona looks different. And then finally, the altruistic narcissist or the communal narcissist. Um, so, I mean, I can't now. It's terrible. It's terrible. So, every time I see someone now being altruistic, I think, hmm. So, I, you know, it's terrible because there are people who are genuinely altruistic out there. But the altruistic narcissist is, um, is the type that they often associate with charities or they're on committees or, or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, And what they do is they get their sense of specialness um, from being, you know, the most generous or the most caring or the most kind, that kind of, you know, way of doing things. But again, you know, actually they're real backstabbers um, so they're not doing it for actual altruistic reasons. They're doing it because of all the other things that they get from it. They get they get all that that sense of specialness, that adoration, um, all of that. Um, and you know they're very territorial, quite often. Um, they don't like anybody sort of treading on their toes at all because this is you know, this is my thing. I am, I am in charge of the flowers for the church, you know. Um, you know, you know, you know, Mrs. Miggins mustn't come near the flowers sort of thing, you know. Um it, it's all that sort of sort of thing. So it's and they can be in jobs, um altruistic jobs like um uh, you know, they can be yoga teachers and you know, meditation teachers, they can be therapists. Um they can be domestic abuse campaigners. I mean, it's it's they are everywhere. So um, really, quite quite important to sort of look out for that type as well.
1: Oh, this is so interesting. I'm loving everything you're saying here, and yeah, the fact that there's four types, but they can go in between all of those, and that's definitely something I recognise as well. Now, a lot of my listeners are going through you know some kind of breakup, separation, or divorce, even with their toxic ex. Now, going through that, they don't change their spots, right? So divorcing a narcissist mm-hmm. is going to be a very different process to breaking up with someone who, yeah, you might be arguing over who gets the piano or the painting or whatever, but they're not wanting to annihilate you. And, that, and you know, ultimately, they, you know, a fair person from a healthy relationship is looking for a fair settlement at the end of the day. That's not the case with narcissists. So what's your advice for going through an actual divorce process with a narcissist? I mean, you got it there, you said the word, you know, it's the annihilation
2: word, that's the word we always use, and that's how you know if you're divorcing an narcissist when all is said and done, you know, they want to annihilate you, you get that feeling, oh my gosh, you know, they want to take me down, they want to annihilate me emotionally, physically, spiritually, you know, financially, you know, they want to take the children completely, you know. So my advice, gosh, well, there's so much advice. My, my, I suppose my first piece of advice is read our book because you know it's all in there basically. Um, yes, tell
1: us about your books.
2: You've got so, two. Yes, well, um, so the first one, I've got it here. Actually, it's open, in fact, but because um, I occasionally refer to it, but it's this, Divorcing a Narcissist, uh, The Leo the Loss and the Law. Um, And I wrote that with Karen Walker, who's a very, very well-known, brilliant uh, UK family lawyer, um, very high up in the field. Um, who is very aware she's dealt with many many um, uh, narcissistic divorces and sort of spotted the patterns on her own and then we came together to sort of put this together to deal with the emotional side and the legal side Um, so really we say we sort of explain exactly what they're going to do um, in the divorce process and we break it down we explain why and what you can do really to mitigate um, you know against those things happening um, the other book that we've written is actually we're desperately trying to to train family lawyers, judges, etc. So this is the book for professionals um, you know, narcissism to, um, and the family law is' called not, yeah narcissism and family law a practitioner's guide. So that one is it sort of follows a similar pattern actually because we wanted them to be companion guides so that the lawyer, um, could have the the practitioner's book and then as a complementary um thing with with all the emotional side as well um so a real hopefully quite a supportive it is a supportive book it takes you through and it explains why you're feeling the way that you're feeling why it's so difficult to actually understand what's going on um and gives you you know strategies etc for for actually coping with with the awfulness of it all um practical strategies but yeah the two books go hand in hand really so if you're divorcing a narcissist and your lawyer hasn't got a clue what's going on um it's it's worth asking them to read the practitioner's guide uh, narcissism and family law practitioner's guide um so those are those are the two books but you know um you asked me what what you could expect and i mean you know it's basically i think that the key feature here is that the narcissist is going to use the legal system as a weapon of abuse against you and that is it's terrifying it's it's just frightening um and what's even more frightening is that the legal system kind of allows it um you know if you've got a lawyer who doesn't know what's going on they will write letters every every ranting letter you get from the narcissist um that their lawyer is is you know copying and pasting onto their letter-headed notepaper you know your your lawyer then writes back with you know in detail to every point and and that's racking up your costs, it's giving the narcissist narcissistic supply, they want to abuse you using the legal system, they want to be in court, they want to frighten the life out of you, they want to, you know, they want to get to a final hearing and be cross-examined on the witness stand. I mean, that's that's marvellous for, for many narcissists, especially the, the you know, the three, three out of the four types, um, and, and even the, 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 the covert loves to sort of play the victim quite believably, Um, on on the stand so you know court is a wonderful place for narcissists to be Um, so you know they'll they will use that against you Um, they will financially abuse you I mean they'll hide money Um, they'll stop working they'll say they're taking early retirements Um, they'll give away cars they'll give away assets they'll make up fake um, you know they get their friends to to bill them um, fake bills they'll Um, overpay tax so that there's nothing left in the financial pot you know for one year and then I mean it's financial exploitation is absolutely um, it's just a a massive um, massive part financial abuse is a massive part of, of a narcissistic divorce but crucially as well they will use the children as weapons of abuse against you as well and that's the most heartbreaking thing of all um, they, they will badmouth you to the children. They may allege parental alienation or they may alienate you and themselves. I'm sure that a large part of this uh, parental alienation um, thing, it's because people often say, oh, it's not a real thing. But I mean, I- I've seen it so many times where a narcissist is alienating the children from the parents. Um, it's very common, actually. And they'll yeah. allege abuse falsely um, as well. Um, so that they'll use the children as weapons of abuse. They'll they'll stop paying for things for the children. So perhaps um, if the children are at private school, they'll stop paying for them. And then, of course, that's a way of financially abusing the weaker financial party. So they because they think, well, I've got to pay the school. So because we can't you know, they can't just drop out of school. So they'll somehow, you know, do whatever they can borrow money or whatever they can to try to keep the children in school extracurricular activities as well the much loved hobbies you know they'll just stop paying um so that the other parent is has to pay and i mean it the it's it's uh, the opportunities for abuse in the divorce process are, are i mean they ramp up their abuse and um, so if you yeah. weren't feeling like you were being abused in in the marriage
1: I do you think that is a common misconception by a lot of people and and you know some family lawyers because if you haven't been in these relationships it's very hard to understand and uh, you know unless you've lived and breathed it a lot of people just uh, have disbelief for what you're saying because surely nobody could be that unkind that cruel that calculated and they come across so charming are you sure you haven't got the wrong end of the stick whereas if you've been in these it's, it is very difficult and I think you know when you're going through that family court process the you know there's a lot of change and i talk a lot about this and i've interviewed many many people on my podcast about this topic that the family court system is you know it, it enables abuse and you know the the clients that i see are traumatized not just from the abuse from their ex, but also from the process, some of the experts, the lack of understanding—dare I say it—some corruption within the system, where you know there are experts in the system um, claiming to have you know to be non-biased, when clearly there is some bias in there, uh, which is seriously impacting victims of abuse and their children. Um, but you know, obviously, your your guide is is obviously, I mean, a must. It should be a compulsory reading and training for all practitioners or any legal professionals, in, in my opinion. But you know, I've also interviewed a lot of people, including Dr. Jessica Taylor, who said, you know, you can't change some of these people's opinions just with, a, you know, with some training. A couple of days training isn't going to get rid of, you know, some fundamental issues and challenges on deep seated, deep rooted beliefs in that system. What do you think about that? That's it for today's episode. And to join us for the final part of my interview with Dr. Supriya McGannner, please join me on the next episode.
0: That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats.